Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. How are you? Good morning. Temperature's finally starting to get down to where we expect it this time of year. Yep. I can think about putting the heater on in the fermentation chamber, which is a lot easier and a lot more energy efficient than trying to run the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. So we're getting into that nice time of year where the tap water's cooling down, the basements are cooling down, everything's getting a little more steady. And so I can brew outside the fermentation chamber. I got a couple going in the basement right now. Very good. Very good. Well, happy Saturday to all of you brewers out there. And a reminder that it's next weekend, right? Or two weeks. I can never do the days. Next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Next weekend. I have trouble when there's 31 days in a month. You know, it kind of throws me off for like how many weeks out we are. Learn to homebrew day. You guys have an 11 a.m. beginning brewing class. Tickets are on sale online. And uh, a tasting and a demo at 1.30 as well. This is one of your bigger events of the year. You got it. While there's a national homebrew day, which celebrates its re- uh, legalization in the spring. Let's go always back to Carter in 78. Because of what I just talked about, because it's the temperatures get a little more consistent, the tap water gets a little colder. For us here, we don't have as many lake whiting events. So the, the pH and the chloride levels are going to be a little bit more stable going through the fall and winter here. Now is the more popular time of year to brew. So the Learn to Homebrew Day, the former Teach a Home Friend to Homebrew Day, has become the more popular event just because of the time of year. Um, a lot of people are kind of stocking up for a long winter. You know what I mean? You have more rainy Sundays, more Sundays with football and stuff like that that you want to stay around at home. So it's a great excuse to brew, and it's easier to do it because of the weather. Very good. So that's next Saturday. Tickets available at nthomebrew.com uh, for the beginner's brewing demo at 11, and tasting and demo is at uh, 1.30. Also, something we haven't mentioned yet, uh, sales that are going to come yes. with Saturday. Yes, and they're actually going to start uh, early on the 31st, so on Tuesday. On Halloween, we're going to have 10% off all ingredients. That's anything non-taxable in the store. So that's beer kits, that's grain, that's hops, that's yeast, that's wine kits, um, that's fruit bases, anything basically that you could eat think of it like that way you're going to get 10 percent on and that's in store or online uh, we also have 15 percent off whole sacks of grain so if you're looking to pack pick up a sack of two row 15 percent off your two row and that's significant that's almost ten dollars off on some of these sacks so you can save quite a bit of money on your beers going through the winter here by stocking up now um, you can grab these if you can't make it into the store this week just order the items anywhere from tuesday to saturday online uh, when you order the items online there's no promo code needed just put in your items cash out and then you're going to get an email back with your new total and we'll reduce the total um, put the items on uh, layaway basically during the sale week and you can come pick them up at your convenience so if you want to grab that sack of just two row you know with the 15 percent off but you can't make it until the next week go ahead order it online for in-store pickup we'll apply the discount and it'll be waiting for you when you're ready to come in very good so again take advantage buy a sack a pound of your favorite hops whatever 
Yeah. No, I mean, yeast. load up. Get a sack of two-row. You can always split that with, like, Munich. If Say if you want to make a Hellas, you can do 50-50, you know, two-row with Munich. Get a pound of hops. Think of something that's a good favorite hop for dual purpose, and you're going to be looking at using it for bittering most often, so, like, Columbus, Chinook, Centennial, Nugget, Cascade. Um, maybe grab, a you know, a section of dried yeast. If you don't have any beers planned, if you don't have your whole, like, you know, winter or fall of brewing planned already, like some people do, just grab some stuff you'll know you'll be able to use. You can get the specialty malts. You can get the liquid yeast and finishing hops for each beer later when you go brew them. And so you'll be getting fresh finishing hops, fresh specialty malt, and a fresh yeast packet to do a starter with whenever you're ready to make that beer. But you can stock up on the two-row and the kind of bittering hops now. Um, these ingredients will last for over a year. So if you don't get to use them in the basement, if you can't use them in the next couple of weeks, put them aside in a Tupperware, put them in the basement, and they'll be good for whenever you're ready to use them. All right. Draft supplies available as well. Yep. So we have draft kits as always. So if you're looking to start a fresh kegerator and you just got an old refrigerator, we got you covered. If you're just looking for picnic taps, one with a pump, one without, we have plenty of different CO2 options. Or if you already have a kegerator that may need some cleaning and some replacement parts, we got you covered there. Bring in whatever you're trying to replace parts or seals on so we can match them up so that you get the right parts in the first trip. All right. Very good. And uh, Galaxy and Nelson's have been back in stock? Yep, back in stock, and we still have a readily supply of those. So if you're looking to come in and grab some, those are available on the sale. And Cryo Hops? Cryo Hops, still there. Also good on the sale. Um, and those are in full supply still. Very good. And for wine and cider making materials, we should mention this now. Maybe people have heard also us. Also on sale. They've Yeast, heard us say additives, this. Camden tablets, clarifiers. We have it all. And if you're looking, I always say, if you're looking to do from raw fruit, we have presses that go up to about, you know, to press 50-gallon runs. We have ones that will do half-gallon and one-gallon runs. So we have crushers, distemmers, presses, straining bags, and all the sizes for any different batch that you're doing. Uh, but we also have concentrate and can purees and that kind of stuff. So if you're looking to bring home some fruit as well, we got you covered there. And, and it's also on sale. On sale. On sale. Cider stuff. Okay, good. I was thinking maybe more people are starting to feel cider because the temperature has finally started to drop. You know, it was so hot over the last couple of weeks, and now we're into fall. Okay, so also one other event, the Santas of Swig, put on by the Sultans of Swig. Yeah, so this is a, they did a similar event last year. They, they've come up with a more catchy name for this year. So it's called the Santas of Swig, and this is, of course, done by the Sultans of Swig, which is kind of the, you know, downtown Buffalo South homebrew club. Um, and they're doing a fundraiser for the Matt Urban Hope Center. It's Saturday, December 2nd from 1 to 4 p.m. at Buffalo Ironworks. Uh, you show up. You pay your $20, and you become a beer judge for the day. Of course, the winner is going to have their beer brewed. But um, if you want any more information, saltandsaswig.com. And they're also doing a little side thing this year. If you donate an unwrapped toy for you know $10 value or more, you're going to get 10 free raffle tickets, um, and they're going to do a little raffle. Okay. Hint, there may be beer-themed prizes. You would think so, I right? I would think so. So that's December 2nd from 1 to 4 at Buffalo Ironworks, and tickets are $20, a home-brewed fundraiser for the Matt Urban Hope Center. 
All right, so into the meat of today's show. What are we getting to? So we got two different little smaller topics. So two that don't really get a whole show themselves. But we're going to talk about preserving hop aromas and how to get better hop aroma. We're also going to talk about kind of one of the really good tricks that experienced home brewers have and something that you should be doing even if you're just starting home brewing. Okay. So let's get into the, the efforts in preserving hop aromas here. Obviously, with a lot of new big IPAs, they're packed with tons of hop aroma. Hops are also kind of expensive, and you can lose that aroma really quick. So a lot of people are finding they're dumping tons of hops into these IPAs, and they're not quite getting the aromas that they're looking for. And there's a couple of key things you can kind of watch out for that will help save some of this aroma. So first of all, we have to look at where do we lose aroma? Well, there's a couple of points where we're going to lose aroma that we can't help during the boiling of the beer um, and during the fermentation. And that's because when other gases kind of come out. So we have steam, we have DMS, uh, we have CO2, we have sulfur dioxide. As they come out of the liquid, they create what's called a scrubbing effect. So they carry out other elements that are easy to carry out. So we talked about this with like malt aroma before, but it also happens with your hops. So during the boil and during the fermentation, which are two things you obviously have to do, you're going to lose some aroma. Um, the other times that you lose aroma are in the presence of oxygen um, because these elements oxidize very easily. If you have oxygen in your fermenters, um, in your keg, uh, if you're, you know, your fermenters don't seal and you're leaving your fermentations a little bit too long, you're getting oxygen in. Hop aromatics are very volatile. They'll break down, they'll oxidize very quickly over time. So if you get a little bit of oxygen in there at the wrong point, it's over time going to slowly start kind of oxidizing and ruining these flavors that you're after. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a look next. How do we get the hop aroma? Well, we only get aroma from hops when they're added at room temperature or cooler or about below 180 degrees, partially because of the evaporation effect, partially because of a breakdown. So we always get our aroma from dry hopping, uh, whether it's in the bucket, in the car buoy, or in the keg, that's where you get it. Now, you do also get some aroma when you add it towards the end of the boil or, you know, right at the end of the boil. But what happens to those aromas is they're carried out by the fermentation. So you might only retain about 10% of that total aroma. Um, so we can, if we're looking at how to keep it, the first thing that we can look at is add the hops at the right time if you're trying to keep as much aroma. So if you're, you know, want the aroma of mosaic, you want the, you know, citra, save those for the dry hop. You know, if you're trying to get a big aroma and you're, you're looking at adding five ounces of hop for this beer, save three or four ounces for just the dry hop. Don't try to add all these hops in the boil or right before. If you're looking for an aromatic beer, you know, those aromatics are not necessarily going to come or those intense ones from your whirlpool. They're going to come from dry hopping. Um, the other thing we need to do is drink the beer fast. Um, no matter what we do to keep oxygen out, no matter, you know, what hop we choose and how much cumulone it has, it's going to start breaking down. What, let me ask you this. What happens to an IPA? Because I was actually over to Buddy's house last weekend, and he poured a couple of IPAs, and it definitely did not seem right. We checked the bottle. It starts to get woody, a little bit resiny. Yeah. Um, it was chunky, which it probably was a chunky IPA to begin with, but with lots of sediment in there. 
It had expired in July of 2016. Well, the chunky of the different things. So what you had is what was a nice, like, evenly hazy IPA. Right. And over time, um, the solids either coagulated, so they've kind of hooked onto each other. A lot of them are proteins. So we're looking at, like, kind of looks like little hairballs if you were to look at it under a microscope. Right. And they begin hooking onto each other to make bigger chunks as well as they fall to the bottom. So another reason why you uh, don't want to let these East Coast-style IPAs linger around. Also, you have your alpha acids slowly oxidizing, even though we're trying to keep as, out as much oxygen as possible. Um, it's slowly oxidizing. They're turning into beta acids, which have a, a different kind of a little more bitter taste, and they're not all equal, as well as flavors that were wonderful fruity aromatics have now also turned into either, you know, skunky or kind of resinous bitter flavors if they've broken down over time. So IPAs, as much as we want to have a nice collection of them, of exotic IPAs, of you know different hard-to-reach breweries just kind of sitting around in the basement, um, it's not good for the IPA. Um, it's not good for pale ales. You know what I mean? It's not good for anything with really intense hop aromas. Generally, are not designed to be age. Um, more things that you can do to kind of help with that, you know, slow down of that breakdown is keep your beers cold and out of the light. You know, we obviously know that a lot with light beers because it skunks the hops. But if you have a IPA, there's a lot more hops to skunk and that can be a much more intense bad flavor. So keep your beers cold. If you have a basement refrigerator, you can keep them in perfect. If not, keep them somewhere cold and out of the light. So if I don't have room in the refrigerator, they go on the basement floor underneath an old towel and that keeps them out of the light in a cold place and should kind of slow down that breakdown. Now one of the other things you can do as a home brewer and I guess you could do this as just a beer connoisseur as well uh, is you can cheat and you can make your own hop extract and you can add it right before bottling right before kegging and that should kind of help you kind of get that fresh aroma. There's a couple of different ways to do this. You can you really do a you know easiest to do it in a French press. You can either do it with a very kind of light, clear alcohol, so a good vodka or good grain alcohol, uh, or you can also just do it with some cold distilled water or warm distilled water. And experiment a little bit with the different effects that you get from the different extractions. Um, you take that, you make it ahead of time, you let it sit for anywhere from a few hours to a week or two. You might want to flush it out with CO2 before putting away, you then take that, strain it, and then add it to the keg, add it to the bottle, or add it to the beer that you have sitting around old in the basement. It should give it some, you know, fresh hop aroma and a little bit more bright flavor that it may have lost over time. All right. So that's a, a few things you can do. Um, I think a lot of people, when they're not getting the hop aroma they're looking for, the simple answer is add more hops. Um, but a lot of times, you're just kind of throwing fuel on the fire. You're, you're putting stuff in the wrong place. You're still leaving the beers too long in fermentation or kind of once you get through, you're bottling it and you're forgetting about it and it's sitting, you know, a week, a month on the basement floor. Um, there's some things you can do to kind of help yourself to get the beer to have the best hop flavor it can. That's drinking it fast, adding the hops post-fermentation, you know, getting rid of oxygen, whether that's having good racking techniques or flushing out fermenters, kegs with CO2 first, keep your beers cold and out of the light, or when that fails, just cheat and add some fresh hop extract. All right. 
So that's it. That's pretty much the rundown on how to uh, preserve hop aromas. You said too many topics. After the break, what do we got? After the break, we're going to talk about keeping a bottle of star sand around. A like spray duct, bottle of star is sand this is the duct tape of home brewing. It does you everything. You got it. You got it. And it's kind of one of those things. If you haven't seen how handy it can be, you're probably not keeping one around. All right. That's up next here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN fifteen twenty. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to ESPN 1520 and Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. All right, so the... Maybe not catch all, but the uh, the MacGyver of the home brewing process. Yeah. You wanted to talk about keeping a bottle of Star Sand. Yes, around. it's it's one of the cheapest things you can do, and it can save a lot of batches of beer. It can save equipment, and it's going to make life a lot easier. So the first thing you need is a cheap spray bottle. You can pick these up at the grocery store, um, home center, and you're looking at a dollar spray bottle. All right, so first investment. Then you need a dollar batch of distilled water. So pick up a gallon of distilled water, and you make yourself a small Star Sand solution may seem simple. Distilled water is going to keep the star sand from separating or changing pH. You can now put that up in a cupboard and it's ready whenever you need it. This is something that I've always seen experienced brewers do. Um, before star sand, it used to be maybe a, you know, they would always keep, you know, iodine around, but the iodine would break down over time. So you had to keep freshing it up. Um, some people would use like a citric acid solution, which didn't quite sanitize as well. Um, but star sand came around and it was really a game changer. It was stable um, when sealed up in a container. Uh, you don't need to rinse it off. Um, it, it foams. So when you use a little bit and you agitate it, it becomes a lot of sanitizing surface. So it really made home brewing a lot easier. It was also a lot cheaper and a lot less stress to mix it up than, say, iodine or bleach. So I think a lot of homebrewers got into the habit of making some star sand for brew day and then dumping it down the drain. But you can get a lot of work out of a quart inside a spray bottle. Um, so the first point where I noticed it really uh, comes in hand is sanitizing small items. If you drop a thermometer, uh, if you want to use a thief to take a sample out of a car buoy, it saves you from mixing up a large bucket or tubware container full of star sand. You just have this little spray bottle, you spray down your pipette, and you take your sample done. You don't have to do any mixing. It's there. It's ready to go because you don't have to rinse the star sand and it has a short contact time, you know, about a minute and a half to 30 seconds, depending on kind of what lethality you want with microorganisms. You spray it on there, you shake it for a couple of minutes, you're done. So any small items on brew day or during racking and stuff like that, it really helps out. You also can sanitize your hoses, racking tubes, and bottle fillers really easy. So if you always have trouble sanitizing, say, like a bottle filler or a racking tube, if you just need to rack something, um, you find yourself trying to 
fill up a deep enough vessel to either sink all the hose in or lay the racking tube in, you know, upside down once and then the other way. So you end up making about a gallon or two of star sand solution. Or you can simply put the nozzle to the end of the hose and spray the foam through the hose until you see it coming out the other end. So instead of making a gallon to do that simple racking, you only need to make, you know, a little bit to sanitize the carboy, maybe a cup or two, and then enough to spray through the hose. So it's really going to save you a lot on those days. Now, you can also spray out your bottles, um, airlocks, anything that's really hard to get water through, that's hard to get sanitizers through, having it under pressure will really make a difference. You can also use it for keg lines as well. Um, but one of the ways that I found that it's helped me, I think, the most is sanitizing my fittings, um, but also acting as a lubricant. So if you've ever mixed up sarsan, you realize it's very slippery on your fingers. Um, if you spray it on your fitting, so any keg posts, any rubber gaskets, uh, bucket lids, airlocks as you put them into the grommets, hose barbs as you try to take, you know, your hose, racking hose off your racking tube, it's going to act not only as a sealant, but it's also going to act as a lubricant. So especially, say, with the keg posts, along with keg lube, kind of helps me from getting uh, rash. It prevents the the plastic disconnects from rubbing up against the rubber fittings all the time and slowly taking away a little bit of rubber every time they do that. So we really get a lot more life out of, you know, my rubber fittings, out of, you know, grommets so that I'm not ripping them or pushing them into the bucket, uh, just giving these things a quick squirt of star sand before I put them together. And so doing this can save you equip, uh, equipment, but it's also going to save you batches. Um, and you're going to lose use less star sand. So really, if you keep a spray bottle of star sand around, you're not only saving money, but you're saving time threefold. You're saving it on mixing it up fresh star sand. It's, you're also saving on money. Um, you're going to save on batches because you'll be able to sanitize a little things that you may have just risked before. And you're going to save batches of beer because of that. So you're going to save money. You're going to save time. You're going to save effort threefold. All you need is that little spray bottle. Make sure you mark it. You might also want to date when you mix it up so that you know if it's fresh. Um, but it's really a simple trick that saves people a lot of time and a lot of aggravation. So good to have around. Oh, yeah, definitely. Any other, I don't know, any other um, substance like that? Like star sand's the most versatile, you would say? Or yeah, the and the standard used to be, especially if you went into a brewery, you would see a very large uh, stainless steel tray. It would usually be about six inches deep, probably by three feet by three feet. And it would be on wheels, and it would be filled with an iodophore solution. So you can judge the iodophores, um, whether it's dark enough, tells you how much active iodine. So if it's got a nice brown-amber color, there's plenty of unused iodine. If it starts to turn black or if it starts to turn clear, you know that you've taken a lot of it away or oxidized it. So it was always a standard at brewery to kind of have something to sanitize every bit of equipment that you might use. Well, they're using a lot of equipment every day, and it was worthwhile for them to make about, you know, eight gallons of iodine. Mm -hmm. um, as a home brewer, you're touching your projects maybe once or twice a week. 
Um, and it's not economically efficient nor necessary for you to keep a large tub of sanitizer around. That, you know, tub of iodine is still a standard at plenty of breweries. They tend to like the iodine better because if you don't have a fitting cleaned, it's going to oxidize any organic. So you're going to see a black film on anything that didn't get cleaned. Star Sand isn't going to do that for you, but it's a lot quicker. Um, it's a lot easier. It's cheaper. Uh, the foaming action means it goes a little bit longer. It can reach some harder to reach places, and it doesn't stain your equipment and your clothes, which is really nice. So there's a lot of advantages to star sand. Homebrewers just didn't do this before it came out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't worthwhile to keep around a tub of bleach solution or iodine just to sanitize a hydrometer tube or thief or you know refractometer or something like that. What was used before star sand? Iodine and bleach. That's Those it. were your only options. Yeah. Both stained your clothes. Both smelled. Both would lose their potency, you know, over the course of even 24 hours. So if you sunk a bunch of bottles in it and you said, you want to want, I'm not bottling tonight. I'll take care of it in the morning. Chances are that solution was not good to continue your work in the morning. Yeah. Or star sand, check the pH, add a little more if you need to. Um, but you're usually relatively safe leaving it out for a period of time. And it's super powerful. It's amazing how little you really need to use. Yeah. No, and, and I say this because I got three or four beers racked um, this past week after all my primaries. And I want to say to do that over the course of three nights, I used a quart of star sand solution. Not a quart of the concentrated sanitizer, a quart of what was left over. So one twentieth of an ounce <laughs> to get through four rackings. So if you're conscious with your star sand, it's going to save you a lot on the budget, but it's also just easy. I do admit that I take that quart bottle and I pour some out into car buoys sometimes because it's easy, it's cheap, it's there, it's ready to go. It's like the miracle chemical for you. It's, it's one of the reasons I think the, the hobby has become so popular. Because, yeah, it easy. took the hardest part and made it a little bit easier. Uh, we've got two minutes left, so next week when we do the beginning brewing demo, when you do that at the store, any plans? Do you know what you're going to make yet? Have you decided? Oh, what no, we don't. We usually decide the night before. If you yeah. have any suggestions, throw them at us on social media. I, I'm going to be brewing the all-grain demo. Uh, me and Kevin have been talking about splitting a light lager. It's football season. Mm -hmm. We don't know what else to brew. We both have projects going on. We need something we can get rid of fast. So maybe we're going to do a light lager. We both have house guests over. It's good timing. How about for the tasting? For I mean, the that tasting, you've got to already have. Yeah, well, that stuff we already have, or it might be some of the stuff that I was racking frantically last night. So we're, we're going to have um, a kind of like a hybrid American English brown ale as well as an English bitter. We also have members of the Niagara Association, Sultans of Swig, um, and Das House Brewers are going to bring in samples of beer that they made with the Swain malts into the tasting. So we'll have a bunch of different beers made by different brewers, all with a single malt, uh, as well as we'll be bringing in projects from home as well as customers well. Gotcha. And I always say, again, if you don't have beer to bring, don't worry there's always more than enough beer at this event um you don't need to bring anything if you don't have anything ready if you got a problem or if you got something you're willing to show off bring it on in and there'll be plenty of people willing to help diagnose your problems but also there'll be plenty of people willing to drink a good beer all right that's it for us again next week the beginning to brew demo tickets available at nthomebrew.com celebrate learn to homebrew day by uh, if you're not exactly a homebrewer bring somebody that uh that isn't one or if you're not one you caught this show niagara tradition is the place to be for that and that is uh 
Saturday next week. See you there. That's it for us. We're back next week here on ESPN 1520 for Niagara Traditions. Just brew it. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.